One, two, three, four. Oh. Jake and Jonathan. 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 Jake. What's up, man? We have hit one million downloads wow. of the podcast. Oh. One million downloads. One million downloads. It's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, we actually went quite a bit over it. I just forgot to check. <laughs> Remember last week when we were talking about checking? So will I tell you the actual number we're at? We have hit one. Oh, let's just wait a second till it loads. One million. Oh. 39,000 downloads. Wow, sweet. Yeah. It only took yeah. three episodes. This is the third episode <laughs> of the podcast. For those of you just joining the podcast. <laughs> it just took one episode. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's great, though. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so, we also wondered, did the coronavirus affect our downloads? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 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 so... Yeah, about a thousand less people listen to every episode uh-huh. at the moment. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, that's, those thousand people are probably got better things to do. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I don't know, I thought you were yeah. going to say something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there's only one reason people wouldn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> only one thing could be better than this. Yeah. Animal Crossing, playing Animal Crossing right now. So, Oh, yeah. Speaking of Animal Crossing. Are you playing it? I'm not yet, but you gave me a fun little little screenshot. You sent me a message with a How screenshot cool. from Instagram. What was that all about? How cool was that? Okay, so a guy on Instagram, um, let me just give you his handle, everybody. His name is, oh no, I've, wait a second. Oh no. I just remembered. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll look for his account while I'm, I'm talking. Okay. Wait a second, I really, I really don't want to not give him the credit right now. <laughs> Jason can remove this bit. Okay, I found it. I just learned because I was. Uh, Jason told me that my microphone levels are too high, which they apparently were. I just learned that Jason, our editor, mostly goes by Jace. We've been calling him Jason all this oh. time, but to his friends, oh. which I think we're friends with him now, we should call him Jace. Hmm. So uh, okay, cool. Try to remember that. Sorry about that. This Jason. is a rollicking start to the podcast. Yeah, the, <laughs> the one million episode. Okay, so okay. So, an Instagram, one of my followers on Instagram called Gilang A Pradana, and his, um, his Instagram account is at Gildy, G-I-L-D-Y. He created a sprint room in Animal Crossing, and it looked like he ran like a design sprint with some of his friends in Animal Crossing. Cutest thing of all time. He tagged me in a picture, tagged AJ and Smart in a picture of it, and I just found it so unbelievably cute. He said he made a virtual sprint room in Animal Crossing. So we're going to go visit his island and make a YouTube video about it. I'm very excited about it. It looks so unbelievably cute. He even made whiteboards. Ah, it's so cute. I'm on his Instagram. I don't really know how Instagram works. He didn't post it on his feed. He posted it in his stories and it's gone now. That's gone. Oh, okay. Man. Yeah. Okay. He needs to fix that. Yeah. So yeah. So a million. so cool. We've passed a million. And as a celebration, what I did, so I was driving, I I visited my wife's parents. um, Oh, so yeah, today, the German lockdown sort of over. The announcement sort of literally like two hours before this podcast hit, 
our Supreme Chancellor Merkel announced that the lockdown is, you know, pretty much, pretty much over. You know, people from different households can meet each other again. Wow. Each kind of province has its own specific rules, but everything's open again except for like clubs and normal restaurant service is not open yet, but it's, you know, all of... Over there's the next never, few days, there's all never that's been normal be- restaurant service in Germany. <laughs> I know it actually got better in Berlin. Honestly, the service got slightly better in Berlin over the pandemic because you didn't have to talk to the assholes who were serving you. <laughs> like it's it's funny. Like you know, you think that this kind of hey, you know, we're all in this together vibe would kind of change the attitude, but no, it's still like there's a place near my place um, which I wanted to. I just wanted to support them. I didn't even really want the food there that much. <laughs> And the person was so unbelievably rude to me. I asked, so there was this meal. Anyway, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> Germany's lockdown is pretty much over now. Stuff is pretty under control. And I was actually at my wife's parents' house. I was visiting her. She, By the way, I'm home alone again for another two weeks. Celebrate. And I'm really <laughs> sad about it. But I visited my par- uh, wife's parents and I drove there. And when I used to live in Ireland, I used to drive everywhere. But this is like, I don't drive now that I live in Berlin. And one of the things I really miss about driving, and this relates to the 1 million followers, okay, uh, 1 okay. million. I trust listens, you. I have a lot of uh, trust. Downloads. I have a lot of trust. Yeah, in you. I go on these long things. So one of the things I really miss about driving is listening to music and just singing like crazy while I'm driving. And the drive to my wife's parents' house is five and a half hours long. And I like sang for five and a half hours as loud as humanly possible. I even laughed at sometimes how bad my voice was, but to myself. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. On the way back, the five and a half hours felt a bit longer. And I was like, oh, I don't really feel like singing right now. So what I did is I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to, hey, name of the AI speech assistant on my phone. Because <laughs> if I say the other thing, everyone's phone will light up. <laughs> Play the latest episode of Jake and Jonathan. And so what I actually did is it played the first episode ever. Oh. And I listened to the first ever episode of Jake and Jonathan. And I listened to like the first, I kind of skimmed through bits and pieces of the first like 25 episodes and they were actually really good because we actually we had topics yeah they were really helpful the first episode we like really went through the power of moments the book yeah gave people the highlights like help people see how they could apply that to their product life but actually you know what a lot of the running jokes happened in episode one like <laughs> by sprint by sprint happened in episode one which is really funny. Like a lot of a lot of the stuff that I thought kind of like built up over time really all happened immediately. Besides Gandalf, which you have an update about soon, so we gotta jump into that. Yeah. I hope it's a one million download worthy Gandalf update. I think it might be. I've read a tweet. Somebody was recommending Product Breakfast Club. Or sorry, the what's it called? Jake Don't Jonathan. worry. We should just change it back. (laughs) (laughs) They're recommending it uh, uh, via Twitter, but it was kind of a, it was a bit of a cautious recommendation. They said, well, you could, I I didn't read the whole thread. I just, they mentioned me. I just look at my, I'm very uh, self-centered. So I just looked at the (laughs) notifications in it. Mm. I was mentioning a reply to some thread. They said, oh, you should also check out Jake and Jonathan podcast, Mm. but it is very repetitive, but the rambling is good. And I thought that repetitive, I mean, that your story that you just, told boy that proves it we've been doing the same thing since episode one but i call that consistency yeah. that's consistent yeah exactly it's not repetition it's consistency <laughs> it's, it's not repetition <laughs> it's consistency it's consistency the thing is it's not repetition. it's also not repetition it's consistency. <laughs> <laughs> not even oh, funny <laughs> why well, do you have some topics some random random topics for today right 
But at the end, there will be a Gandalf update, I, I hope. Well, we could get to the Gandalf update sooner. I think people want Let's it. Let's leave it till the end so people listen. One thing I have at the very end that I, I think we should put in, Flynn Knapp, age nine, has been experimenting with, he's got a couple of LSD. little keyboards. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he's got a couple of little keyboards and he does voice recording on the phone and has been using the voice recorder app to make songs, which he just writes as he's doing it and he made a like a one minute long song about the quarantine that i thought was pretty good so maybe we could put that at the very end as like a little easter egg if you listen all the way to the end of the episode there could be a little one minute easter egg and i'll put it in our dropbox folder for jace to stitch it in there cool. but that's a small topic another topic okay animal crossing sprint room we talked about that i thought we were going to talk about instagram a little bit and i meant to say just as like a fun little gift for you for uh, of joy there is a guy in Seattle named Rudy Willingham who has a cool. He has an Instagram. Yeah, it's that cool. Uh, full stop. That's isn't the that story. the whole story? <laughs> That's the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the gift, Rudy Willingham. Rudy Willingham has a cool Instagram feed, and I don't use Instagram, but I will sometimes go to the web and look at his Instagram because it's kind of delightful. Now you'll definitely enjoy his Instagram more if you lived in Seattle because he takes photos and stuff around Seattle. But he does these little cutouts and then like holds the cutout up and takes a photo. And occasionally it's like an inside thing. Like you'd have to know what's going on in Seattle. But a lot of it is just, they're cool. It's clever. He also uh, makes music. And if you look up, there's this song called Pool Party by Rudy Willingham. And I highly recommend it as a, it is just a fun, it's a dance song. I think unless you're a horrible person is going to make you feel good. And if you're feeling the quarantine blues where person. we all are outside of Germany, Rudy Willingham <laughs> pool party, highly recommended to give you a couple minutes of, of uh, relief. I feel bad for the other countries. Um, I mean, you should obviously I just, we just hit the jackpot living in Germany here. Uh, the lockdown has, I mean, Lockdown would be a very strong word for what happened. There was never any restriction of movement. You never had to like explain what you were doing. The, the really only thing, obviously restaurants and small businesses shut down for a while. But, but you know what I was thinking? So I can tell you now. So from the end of the lockdown, for many of your, uh, you listening, maybe you're in the start of it or in the middle of it or whatever. I think, and I'll put this on record, okay? I am important enough for this record to be brought back up. <laughs> They're going to come back and say, well, I, but uh, if you refer yeah, back I remember to when May you said that, you, 2020. Yeah, you can't be the president now. Although, you know, <laughs> you know I so, worry about that sometimes. Do you ever, I'm like, Bob, but what if when I'm running for president, what if they bring that up? I should be careful how I phrase this. I just want to always be myself. I thought about that a lot. I'm on video and audio a lot. And I, I used to be nervous that, you know, because people love kind of finding stuff about yeah. you and posting it and whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? As long as I'm actually being myself and like authentic to myself, which means I'll say things that are offensive, <laughs> at least I can stand behind it then. At least I can say, yeah, yeah, I thought that at that time. <laughs> and if that's a problem for you, then I don't care. Well, then I guess I won't be the president. Yeah. Although I think to be the president of your country, you have to do much worse things. <laughs> you have to be more offensive. <laughs> you have to really, uh, yeah, you, you have, have to, to really do some pretty bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I even wanted to. So listen, wait a second. I, I was telling. So what I was thinking. Wait, but wait, wait, one more thing about that. One more thing about that. Oh, yeah. Because it is actually, it's funny to talk to you about it because I thought it was just me being super neurotic. No. But I think when you start no. doing any kind of, like any kind of public speaking in general, but then even if you've been doing it and you start a new kind of thing, like we start the podcast or whatever. 
there is a disproportionate fear of like people are going to dig this up and like use something I say against against me. me. And so I better be really careful with the way I talk. And then when you, the more careful you are, the worse, like the harder it is to do it, the more stressful it is to begin. The less authentic you are. The less authentic you are. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Yes. But I just decided a long time ago, I mean, not a lot. So first of all, I've mentioned a million times on this podcast already that I have issues with anxiety. It's like, please give me attention. I have anxiety. But I, that's something that triggers, the, that's something that trig, used to trigger it a lot for me because the very first article you read from me was the article, user research is overrated. And that's the most hate I've ever got online for anything still today. <laughs> and so I just like, it was like baptism of fire for me. My first ever, my first ever article exploded, became like crazy popular and got a lot of, I got a lot of hate for it. But, you know, the way I think about it is like, yeah, well, who, people forget that stuff really quickly. And if you keep putting out lots and lots and lots of content, it's just hard to keep up with the amount of things that I'm saying that are extremely offensive. And I think that's like, a, you know, in, in our podcast, I do, I used to be really anxious about that. And now I, just this attitude of, oh, who cares? Like the people who, who would look for things in these podcasts or YouTube channels and like say, oh, well, Jonathan said this and I, they're just losers anyway. I just think that these, th- the, pe- the types of people who would <laughs> do that true. are such That's losers. Like, I just don't you- care about what they think. <laughs> what can, think. You know what I mean? Like they're like the people who ca- like put mean comments on our YouTube channel. It's not like I'm looking at that and crying. I'm just like, oh, that person is such a loser. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's uh, my man. narcissism I do both. coming out I think out. those people are losers and then I also cry <laughs> I uh, man this is good anxiety criticism repetition it is consistency yeah, yeah. we uh did man. I talk about my anxiety yet <laughs> I think it's cool <laughs> I think it's cool did I mention it's cool actually that your first post yeah and it blows up even though it's like super like that my mom is calling but we'll talk to her later we, we we both will you and I we will uh, <laughs> we should have our moms on the podcast actually Mommy? I think that would be amazing because your your mom and I are, are your mom and I your mom and my mom are actually <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about criticism <laughs> yeah no but no, I I will but your mom and my mom are I think very similar because I I mean obviously I know oh, yeah. my mom and I've met your mom it's kind of uncanny. But anyway, can't remember what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, I know. You your were saying post, that my your first, first article. Post was so, yeah, it was so like, uh, it pissed people off, right? It was polarizing. It was polarizing. That's the word that I couldn't think of. It was so polarizing. And I think it's really tempting for people when they have success writing something that's polarizing to continue doing that. But actually, yeah. that's not the direction you went. No. You've gone in a more helpful direction. I think you, you are very authentic. But like, <laughs> how did, did you consciously go away from that? Or was it sort of no. accidental that that one was so confrontational it was just um i mean i make clickbaity headlines all the time like people get annoyed about that as well like our youtube channel often will you know i'm often the one who's naming the videos and and this week's yeah. one was most ux designers fail at this or because of this and i'm kind of i mean I, I just i'm just telling my i i don't know i i don't have like a specific thing i want to be like but i know i don't want to be a complainer that's something i don't want to be yeah and I, you know, I often see these designers right, who who are just always complaining all the time, especially on Twitter. And I'm like, I don't want to be like that. I, I do want to be more of like a happy, like someone who's spreading like happy vibes. And so Why do I, I don't know. I also got bored so of, much ah, because they think they're more important than they are. They're like they're just stuck up their own asses. I think they're insecure. <laughs> 
They're insecure, exactly. They're like, I'm important, but also I know I'm not important. I'm going to complain about drop shadows. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Why does anyone oh, listen to this podcast? Are we trying to get less <laughs> listeners? Is that what we're trying to do? Yeah, we're trying Wait, to drive I, it down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, one million <laughs> listeners. Uh, oh no, sorry, not one million listeners. No. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> Jesus. Fuck. Uh, one million downloads. One point three or something like that yeah and no still no plan still no plan i will give a gandalf update yeah and it's going to be hard to give gandalf updates after this because we're almost at the end of the book now the one millionth episode the one this is the one millionth episode that is the title (laughs) okay so uh one millionth gandalf update okay i have to cover a lot of ground here because since we last did the update, I can't exactly remember even what was going on, but they've got to Minas Tirith. They went to Mordor. They have destroyed the ring. Everything has happened, basically. And then there are actually a few chapters at the end. And Flynn, who is the composer of the music that you'll hear if you listen all the way to the end of this podcast episode, Flynn was like, I think the writer has gotten tired of the story at the end because he just like it's like it got really boring. oh god it's still and going on like, yeah it's still going on there's no more tension and why is it still going because it does go for a long time after it's over but let's talk about the actual action that happened yeah. first of all how much did J.R.R. tolkien describe plants and geography <laughs> do you remember i, it's, I don't remember <laughs> it's nuts it is absolutely nuts and it's actually, if you ever think about writing fiction, and this is one of the main books that you've read over and over again, which is me, I feel super insecure about how little I know about plants and geography. I can't describe like a hillside that goes up to a mountain and then there's a break in the mountains. This dude had like the entire like three-dimensional map of Middle Earth totally in his brain, 100%, oh including vegetation. Like ridiculous. And so much of that book, and it's a long, this is a long book, the whole Lord of the Rings. So much of it is describing what the land, the ground, and like this is then this flower and this leaf. <laughs> I found and it doesn't a have stone. anything. To do. But yeah, it's it's crazy though, because it does make you feel like, well, this this is a real world that they're in. Like you definitely believe it's a real world, but it does get a bit boring. There's a bit much of that, I think. Yeah. Anyway, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. That was one so what's Gandalf up to? Gandalf. Okay. Here's the thing with Gandalf. He got Shadowfax, right? Fast, super fast horse. He rides around a bunch. He goes to Minas Tirith. He gets into an argument with the guy who runs Minas Tirith, this dude named Denethor. So the way it went down was uh, there were kings of Gondor in the old days. And uh, the guy who killed Sauron for the first time, he like cut off his hand. The ring fell off. He killed him. It's in the movie. They talk about it in the book. That guy's name is Isildur. He was like, I think maybe he was the last king of uh, Gondor. Anyway, somehow they died or disappeared, the kings, and the stewards of the city have been holding it, hoping that someday a king would come back. Turns out Aragorn, Strider. The other thing in the book, everybody has like five names. Did you notice that either? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so annoying. Why do they have to have oh, a nickname God. and their name and their friend's name and for their them? Their friend's name and like their elvish name. It's like, okay. And if you're reading this book out loud to a child, you're like, Flynn is like, wait, who is Saruman? Like we keep coming back. Every now and again, Saruman comes back in. Why are there two <laughs> bad guys and their names are almost the same? That is yeah, nuts. And yeah. then you're like, oh, 
was it Gandalf or is it Mithrandir? And then Aragorn's the worst. He has a million names. <laughs> Dave he, Aragorn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Squirty. They have just Squirty. a million names for him. Squirtle. You can call me Squirty. <laughs> King Squirty. <laughs> so, God. Yeah, Gandalf, like... He's basically just arguing with people. He argues with the guy who runs Minas Tirith. He, he tries to go down to the gate to get into the battle. Mm. And then they're like, oh, Denethor's lighting himself on fire. And then he's like, oh, crap, I got to go do that. Like I, He's like, I would have. And this is a classic Gandalf thing. The main one of the ringwraiths is coming. Like the lead, the captain of the ringwraiths is coming. He's on like a flying like zombie dragon oh, thing. And Nazgul. He's flying in. There's like this big battle, like all the orcs and all the guys from Venus Tirith and wherever. And Gandalf's like, don't worry, guys. I'm going to go out there and just like, I'll take on the the Nazgul. I'll take on the leader of the Ringwraith. So at least that's one thing you won't have to worry about. He starts making his way down the gate, gets his fancy horse. And then he gets down to the front and then somebody's, I can't remember if it was one of the hobbits, but they're like, oh, hey, uh, Denethor is lighting himself on fire up above. And Gandalf's like, oh, man, I would have killed the leader of the Nazgul, but I better go. I better go talk to Denethor about what he's doing. He's lighting you know, himself he on point. fire. He's lighting himself on fire. But if he's lighting himself on fire, I would say I just leave him. Okay, well maybe maybe leave him because this guy is going <laughs> to kill everyone out here. But also, it's very convenient because Gandalf usually, when there's something big going on that's dangerous, he's like just a little bit out of the picture. You know, he's like, oh man. So he it turns out <laughs> I have to go over here now. I have to go over here now. So who kills? The captain of the ring race. Who is it? Well, it's a hobbit and it's Eowyn. Now, this is something that I've noticed in rereading this book for what's now like the third or fourth time. Other people who do the most badass stuff, they're not the people who get the credit, you know? Like, it's Mary, like, killing the Nazgul is super brutal. Like, you hit him once and, like, your arm goes numb and then you, like, go into the spirit world and the Aragorn has to bring you back. It's crazy. And the two people who do it are the Hobbit and Eowyn, who's a, she's like kind of a, more like a side character. And, you know, but Gandalf gets all the credit all the time. Yeah. So anyway, that happened. So he just went away was his thing that he did this time. He went away. He saves Denethor's son, who okay. Denethor was also going to burn up, but Denethor ends up burning himself up anyway. <laughs> you know, he's batting 500. That's pretty good. He got 50-50 uh, success rate on that. Meanwhile, the Hobbit and Eowyn killed the guy who he was going to go kill. So that's pretty good. Mm. Then Aragorn shows up. He has an army of skeletons. I forgot all, all about right, them. All right, mate. Look at me, skeletons. <laughs> they kill like all the orcs. And again, lots of, I think, racism in the book. Oh, There's yeah. the whole like groups that are from the south and the east that fight with Mordor. They all have dark skin. You're like, ah, I just kind of, I don't know in those cases when I'm reading the book out loud what the best way is to handle it. And I feel like at this age, I probably- Keep saying, by the way, kids, A was a racist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so the, but here's my feeling about- J.R. Tolkien is canceled. Gandalf is like the wolf in Pulp Fiction. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's a fixer. He goes around and he gives people ideas about what to do. And he's really strongly opinionated. He argues with people. Nobody's going to disagree He's a facilitator. He's a facilitator. He is a facilitator. He's also like the wolf because he has a really dope ride. Like he has a sweet Mm. car. He has shadow facts. And that actually enables him to do a lot more than he would do otherwise. It's a really fast uh, way to get around in a world where you normally have to walk. Yeah, Gandalf um, did not see... Any more magic from him that I can remember? 
he did make light uh, more times. He can definitely mm. make light. I cannot argue with that. Yeah, I have a torch. And then after they destroyed the ring, there's a time when he's sitting talking to the <laughs> elves without Sorry, without without moving his mouth. He's just with his mind. He's talking to oh, them. Wow. So that was another trick that he could do. But actually, he was. It's just like ventriloquism. They're like, we can't see yeah. your mouth moving. No, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, cannot I'm talking with my mind. <laughs> why Why is this a trick? Why is this magic? Well, I can control my voice now, I guess. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> Would you well, like to see maybe, me make a light? <laughs> maybe we can uh, send Gandalf on down to uh, Silicon Valley where there's a, a lot of layoffs happening at the moment. Oh, how about that segue? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. A couple more things about Gandalf. Or about Damn it, you ruined it. I know. Sorry. We'll, we'll I'll come try back. But... Wherever you end, I'm going to try okay, to good, do good, the good. same yeah, thing. Okay. Because here's another thing. Sauron, okay, he's the big enemy, right? Yeah. We've talked about him forever. We've been talking about Sauron. Yes. He even makes a slight appearance in The Hobbit as the necromancer. But Necrophiliac. He's, he's the worst. He's... Yeah, he's done everything. He's set up all this stuff. He's created all these problems for our heroes. He's the worst. Sauron is the worst. Okay. Yeah. So how do we confront what's the showdown like with Sauron? What well, must be really satisfying and gratifying. Well, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. No, he dies off screen. He, he <laughs> we never even see him. You never even see Sauron. He just dies when they, <laughs> they oh, man, I gotta get some water. He dies when they drop the ring in the in the lava, which they don't even do. Okay, the other thing, Frodo. Frodo is, I mean, okay, granted, apparently carrying the ring is really hard, but you know who does all the work to get Frodo there? Frodo gets all the credit. You know who does all the work? Sam. Sam Sam, Sam, Sam yeah. literally carries him. He carries him there. And then Gollum has to bite Frodo's finger off to get him to drop the ring in. <laughs> Frodo's just like a piece of meat with a ring on it, basically. And you just, I mean, God, it it's crazy. It is crazy. And the last thing I'll say is that when it's all over, the dudes from... Gondor and Rohan, you know, Aragorn, Gandalf, all them, they know that the hobbits are in Mordor taking the ring to Mount Doom. And they're like, we got to form a diversion. Okay, which is cool. They're like, we're going to form a diversion. We're going to go. It's a hopeless mission, but we're going to go try to attack the front gate of Mordor to make Sauron pay attention to us, even though we're never going to see him, pay attention to us so he doesn't notice the hobbits are just like walking right in there and dropping the ring in Mount Doom. Okay, cool. But they're like, this is a hopeless mission. Like if you go on this mission, you know, you probably won't survive. They even talk about how they get halfway there and like a bunch of the guys are like, we can't handle it. It's too scary to go to Mordor. Like, and he's like, Aragorn's like, okay, here's another job you can do. So they get there. The hobbits drop the ring in. Well, Gollum eats the finger and drops the ring in. And Sauron dies. The Mordor army just breaks up and runs away. Okay. The next thing you see with the guys from Gondor, they brought a minstrel with them. And he writes a song <laughs> that takes almost the whole day to sing telling about what happened. How did they convince that guy to go? Like, oh, by the way, <laughs> we need a minstrel. We, we need a minstrel <laughs> to go on this suicide mission. We'll protect you in the so Okay. So anyway, that's all. That is now all I have to say about. Sorry, the Lord I was of the saying bye to Callum there. I wasn't telling you to stop talking about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Wait, really? It actually coincided. It yeah. coincided with the end of. All right. My, speaking uh, of minstrels. <laughs> Someone needs to go on down there to Silicon Valley and sing all the people who just got laid off from lots of companies. What happened? Actually, I I don't think I know about this. So it's been really interesting running a company through this crisis because there's a lot of uncertainty to the point that 
in the very beginning, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, everything's fucked. Like, you know, everyone's gonna, you know, all the companies are gonna have to lay off loads of staff and everything. And then, you know, for a couple of weeks, nothing happened. But I was kind of reading a lot of articles in the background and just like, God, but it doesn't really seem like any of this makes sense. Because, you know, the government is kind of supporting all these companies and the government is allowing us to furlough staff and all of this kind of stuff. But in the end, if the companies are still going to be kind of in trouble for another 12 months, there's just one way and that's laying off staff. I was personally confused and I was talking to my leadership team. I was like, where are the layoffs? Like, why isn't this happening? And so I kind of just put a kind of like internal bet that it would actually start happening in May because they'd have to do all the paperwork in April. Uh. Now some of the really big layoffs are happening. Airbnb left off 20% of its staff. Wow. Yeah, which is massive. This is a massive, massive amount of staff. 25%, sorry. 25% of the staff. Uber just announced that they're leaving another massive percentage of their staff. Obviously, these two companies are 14% of its staff. Obviously, these two companies are more closely associated with, you know, issues with the coronavirus because they're travel-focused companies. Yeah. But at the same time, I would think it's just beginning, like the layoffs. I mean, in Berlin, basically, there's been no layoffs or there have been some, but like very small amount. We we actually, unfortunately, had to lay off three people, but it hasn't been this massive, massive like layoff fest. But it's also because the government is really paying everyone to just stay open but my question is like really how long can this actually go on for because it's all i was listening to a podcast yesterday the economist and it was like talking about like zombie businesses (laughs) it's like companies that are being kept alive by these kind of you know government subsidies which will not survive anyway you know like and employees are just kind of trapped in these companies because they don't want to go anywhere else because they it's such a crap market but i mean there's a lot of companies that just won't survive past this pandemic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I just think that's the start of it. I think Airbnb. I think by next week's podcast, there'll be a lot more Airbnb and Uber are almost just like the start. The floodgates have opened, but it's not like they just planned that in the last two weeks. I'm sure by the end of March, they were like, okay, we're going to have to do some massive layoffs now. And yeah, it started happening. So those have just been announced today or last night and last night and today but a lot more are coming. And I think a lot of people, even a lot of the safe companies, even a lot of the software as a service companies, even a lot of the entertainment companies, which are doing well right now, I think you'll even start to seeing layoffs in these places just because the spending power of normal people yeah. is also going down. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's the thing people don't realize. Like it doesn't matter if your company is not directly affected. Like our company technically is not directly affected because we can work with any company, but it has been affected just because the spending power of our clients is down, you know? Yeah. They're not like really... And, and another thing Airbnb said in their announcement is that they're going to stop these sort of experimental luxury projects, which aka is new <laughs> products. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which aka is all agencies on the planet. It's really been a very... Oh my God, you distracted me so much that I never got to my point I was saying earlier. About, (laughs) I was talking about the fact that the lockdown is pretty much at an end here. And for the places which are still in lockdown, I'm sure you're coming towards the end of your lockdown too in in the coming weeks. It is just going to happen, you know, like a lot of the models show most places end of June is kind of the longest it's going to go on for. All I want to say is 
obviously it's an anxiety inducing time. Obviously, a lot of people died. Obviously, it's crazy and people are losing their jobs. But it's also such a once in a lifetime thing that will never happen again. I do not think that the lockdown will come back. I really don't think that there's, you know, even in a resurgence of the coronavirus, I still don't see massive lockdowns on this scale at, in every country happening at the same time. So all I'm saying to it is just like soak it in for the last few days. Like soak in being in your city in Berlin when there's no tourists here, for example. It's so cool and so weird to like go to the main tourist sites and there's nobody there. I just think it's like, Everyone, I think, is taking it for granted that this will come back again and, oh, we'll be all locked down again. This isn't going to happen again. This is not happening again in the winter. This is not happening again in the summer. I think it was horrible and interesting, but it might be just a, now that we're at the end of our uh, pandemic, you know, lockdown time, I'm like, oh my God, like, that was crazy. Like, what a crazy thing to have yeah. happened. And now yeah. it's over. And now we can do whatever we want again. I can go get a haircut. I think Power of moments, you know? I think for many of us, not in Germany, it will come back. It's very hard to imagine that we're not, it's not like we're close to like eradicating coronavirus. And yeah. Spread yeah. so much around and yet so, such a low percentage of like the world's population has been exposed to it. I think yeah. I'm more pessimistic about returns of lockdowns and how long it will take to get back to normal. But 100 111% agree with you about trying to to soak in the moment whenever possible if you have it if you feel in your body like a choice between the emotions of god damn it or <laughs> hey like this is that's kind of cool how uh you know I'm I'm walking in the middle of the road because I had to avoid that person oh that was weird it sucked but I'm walking in the middle of the road and it's super chill because like Nobody expects anything to go on. Yeah. There will so undoubtedly be things about this time that we will miss. Like you know, small, maybe, maybe they're small things, maybe they're big things, maybe they're a small percentage of your life right now, maybe it's a big percentage of your life. You cannot avoid the bummer feelings. And I get them. Man, sometimes I think I am going crazy. And you know, when people say they're going crazy, <laughs> I always in the past have thought, oh, when you talk about going crazy, you're talking about like getting really aggravated and just being like feeling like you want to yell. But I'm way past that. I'm actually more legitimately talking about the kind of craziness where I feel like I'm unhinged from reality. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, is it the same day again? I'm still in my house. Is this real? Yeah. Is it real that I that this is going on? What do I do for a living? What? Who am I? That's the kind of craziness I'm talking about. And that, some of that stuff is unavoidable. But when you see any kind of a glimmer of happiness or joy around what's going on, yeah, you should take it and seize it yeah. and not feel bad about it because there's too much to feel bad about. Don't let that be another thing. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, when I think the societal disruption is less and, and things feel a bit more normal and you have your freedoms back, I think a lot of people are just going to take those less for granted. I, I mean, I know yeah. the first time we have a barbecue here, or you know, you can give an a not a stranger, but a friend a hug. <laughs> a stranger. Come here. Or a stranger. Uh, Could say, or a just stranger. ask for consent first. Stranger, wow, I'm in jail already. Hug you. <laughs> Day one. Day one Damn after it. quarantine. Damn it. Yeah, but I think, um, I think people are just going to really not take that for granted. And obviously, like, a lot of things are still going to be um, closed here for a long time, like clubs and pubs and stuff like that. I have to imagine an industry that's hit really hard by this is the Berlin Sex Club. 
That has to be. Oh a my tough god! One. The sex dungeons have been closed for like. Oh. Where are people going to get their? Where are they going to go? Golden shower fetishes, like like where, where like, will people go? Where where where's the, the, the where's that dungeons? story in the news? I don't. I'm not seeing that in the news. Uh, that's that's uh, people are that's definitely whole, talking about it here. <laughs> whole industry. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely. There's a lot of memes about Berkheim being closed because it's like, like where do you do your that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well guess what germany just like the rest of the world you're gonna have to repress yourself now yeah sorry Berlin. for a few you're minutes. gonna have to be repressed yeah it's working for everybody else in the rest of the world i think there's going to be like home more home sex dungeon scenarios building up over the next oh. few weeks because now indie as shops of today two households are allowed to meet so like i could invite friends to dinner as of today and dinner could be in air quotes. And it dinner <laughs> with piss fetish. <laughs> One million episode. Luckily, it's near the end of the podcast. Dinner is served. <laughs> I don't know now if I can put my child's song at the end of this podcast episode because, but maybe anyway, maybe people need a little bit of this a, is the thing a, that people need back. to they need it's to cut this need. bit out they need. of me I saying dinner with piss fetish. <laughs> also, here's another news update for you. My car died again. I don't know if I reported this in an earlier podcast, but Your our card, car, our car, car, like oh, automobile, automobile. Thus it wouldn't this. start and it's a relatively new car and it wouldn't it wouldn't start a couple of weeks ago and they it's under warranty so they fixed it it had a bad alternator which I don't right. really understand sounds, what it does. But that it, sounds like, a a, thing, you know, if you're not a bro and you're trying to pretend you know about <laughs> yeah. cars. Oh, yeah, the alternators. Oh, the, oh, yeah, the alternator. Yeah, I've seen some pretty bad alternators in the past. <laughs> this one was really, this one was really. Oh, Covering a thick layer of slime. It's Oh, it's supposed to be? Oh, uh, but the color <laughs> of the slime was, uh, uh, it smelled. It smelled bad. Yeah. So it didn't work. It, it wouldn't start and there was something wrong with the electrical system and the alternator recharges the battery or something. Anyway, they, they fixed that because under warranty, which is great. And they even, like, they towed the car away and brought it back. It was great. But then two days ago, it happened again. Like, it, it wouldn't start. Weird. So they, they took it back again. And I talked to the guy on the phone and he was like, okay, there is something wrong with the battery. We're going to replace the battery. Yeah. And he's like, I have to tell you like modern cars because they have like we, this is the newest car we've had. Like uh, usually we have cars that are many years old by the time we get them. And it turns out the cars made in the last like, I don't know, five years or so. They have like so many computers oh. that when the car is not on, it's actually like just slowly draining the battery because somehow those what? computers don't. They don't turn off all the way. Or, Proper yeah. computers, like a full PC just standing there in the front of the car. <laughs> well, no, obviously not, but but more or less. I mean, they, they have all these computer systems and they suck away the battery. And so if you don't drive your car now, the guy's like, I was like, you're kidding me. How often do I have to drive the car? Because obviously we're hardly driving because you're not allowed to go anywhere. And he's like, well, you might have to drive it like every other day for a while what and i was like you're kidding me it's like a tamagotchi it's like a pet now i have to take it for a walk that's nuts (laughs) but then he called like i talked to him again later and he was like oh actually something was wrong with the battery so but i think we actually are gonna have to start literally taking our car for a drive because it's not being driven so the battery won't die which is isn't that crazy isn't that just like like a dog 
it's like the dog. There's so many things wrapped in that that are crazy. Like that I own the car, but like the car's the boss of how I spend my time now. That's or like how stupid. What type of car is it? Like what brand is it? It's a Toyota. I mean, it should just be like super reliable, like simple, basic car. I don't know about that. That sounds really stupid. It's crazy. And the, also the other crazy thing is the idea that you would the dude is telling me he's a car dude he's telling me on the phone he's like oh he's like i have a like a 1972 something something and he's like you could leave that car for like a year and come back and it would start because it's nothing draining the battery yeah we've had cars in the past and we would leave for like you know not drive the car for months and it would it would go again same so that's a crazy thing about like innovation right like oh we had these computers great like now you have i don't know like it tells you when it's below freezing like as if you didn't know but in order to do that, it's constantly sensing if it's below freezing now. Is it below freezing now? And it's like draining the battery. So oh, it's, God, oh, it's crazy. that is, I don't know about that. I mean, I rented a car for the month now just using like a car rental service. They had a monthly option. So I just decided to get one for a month. It's a pretty modern car also with yeah. like lots of computery stuff in it. And I'm not going to touch that for the next two, three weeks. And if that doesn't start, I'm just going to blow it up. <laughs> just put a car bomb in it. I think you should start researching how to do that now because I don't think it's going to start <laughs> if you leave it for three weeks. These new cars. Are you no, serious? No, I don't believe it. I don't I know. think something's wrong with your Toyota. They're you, just fucking with you. I'll bet you a euro it doesn't start if you leave it for three weeks. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It, seriously, if it doesn't start, I'll bring back the pandemic in Germany. <laughs> I, I think that's going to happen on its own. I don't so, even know how to do it, but I'm going to do it. Listen to the things that have happened to me since, okay, first of all, a pandemic, yeah. which I count as a personal, like that is also a personal bad since thing what? that happened to since me. Since what? Since the pandemic, okay? Since okay, the pandemic. Since the pandemic, okay. My son gets coronavirus. How about that? That's a good one. Yeah. You should do the antibody test soon on him. That's so exciting. Our antibody tests in the United States are oh, sorry. not available and they're unreliable. I mean, okay, it, sorry. <laughs> it's, God, it's crazy here. Okay. But yes, we totally need to do that. Okay. Soonish. So he probably got the coronavirus. Okay. Car broke down twice now. Oh, yeah. Refrigerator broke. Oh, God. Broke. Uh, our oven wasn't working. What? We fixed that. And the fan in the bathroom broke. Oh, God. Man. There was something else too. The dishwasher broke this year. The furnace broke. The water heater. Everything in the house. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I think the whole house has coronavirus. You know, they keep talking the about all house the has coronavirus of coronavirus that they didn't anticipate. Now, I think it can be in appliances. You know what's really interesting? Speaking of the coronavirus, you probably heard this that, I mean, you probably also guessed it, but you probably heard that in France, they found one of the earliest cases and it was actually in December. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And what's really interesting. So first of all, that's just the start of that. And they're going to start finding cases in December pretty much in every European country and in the US as well. They found a recent one in California from February. Germany, we have cases from January. But what's really interesting is now people are like, wait a minute. I was the sickest I've ever been in my entire life with oh. all of this. For example, my wife over Christmas, she got sick. Yeah, she got I remember an extremely, that. Remember that. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Like she got an extremely bad cough really bad fever. She says she's never had a fever in her entire life. Mariana, our daughter, was coughing for a full month. And we just kind of assumed, obviously, that it was just an extremely, extremely bad flu. I got a light version of it, it seemed. I got a cough and a bit of a fever, but very light. Then some of her family members got it really bad. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, a couple of people at AJ and Smart are telling me they were kind of sick around that time as well in January. And I'm like, 
so interested to try the antibody tests when they're a bit more widely available. Yeah. Because also the implication there is that the curve data that we're seeing now is unbelievably wrong. Right. Like, you know what I mean? The curve actually started increasing dramatically already in December. And by the time we started testing in March, which is just basically limited by the amount of tests that could have been done, by the way, that's like showing that that's the start of the curve, but that wasn't even close to the start of the curve. Also, the Heinsberg study uh, was completed two days ago and all of the results were released. This is the biggest study in Germany on a, on a whole like village or town or whatever. And the results were really interesting. The fatality rate was 3.3%, but the amount of people infected correlated to that was like 80% more, or no, 10 times more people were infected than were actually counted. Wow. Which means that in Germany... They're extrapolating that out and saying, oh, okay, so actually 2 million people had it. The count here right now is 1.6, uh, one, uh, 160,000. But this study, which is like a proper, you know, like hardcore German study is like, okay, actually, it's really more like 2 million people actually had it and probably even more. So it's really, really, really interesting. I, I can't wait for like, the studies to actually be done and have this released and people are realizing, holy crap, like this was actually spreading for a long time before we even noticed it. There was a article in The Atlantic in February about the coronavirus that my friend and Sprint Make Time co-author John Zaratsky by Sprint by Make Time <laughs> sent me. <laughs> he sent me that has turned out to be like, seems like very accurate about what's actually happened. It's called You're Likely to Get the Coronavirus, and it's in The Atlantic, which I don't always love The Atlantic's writing, but this was, this was interesting. It was basically, the guy was like, yeah, this is, gonna, this is not going to really be contained and everybody's going to get it, but it's not maybe as deadly as, it's probably around a lot more than we realize, yeah. which is partly good because if you get it, the, you know, at that time they were talking about like 4% of all people, like 1% to 4% of all people who get it will die. 0.2% is journalist more. was saying. It's probably a much lower percentage, yeah. but there's also kind of like no way to contain it. And it might just become like the new, yeah. the new flu. The new like, flu, uh, yeah. Yeah, which is scary because it's, hmm. it's really- 10 anyway. times more deadly. Yeah. It was weird to me when they started doing the tests in Germany at the very start. Obviously, they were only testing people who were sick. In those cases, you know, I knew two people who definitely had all the symptoms as well. And they couldn't get tested because they weren't sick enough to be hospitalized. Yeah. Which is the same as your son. Yeah. And yeah, it will be super interesting to see if these tests actually get more widely available, just how many people actually had it. Yeah, man. Uh, man, we were we were doing a good job of not. No, but that's not negative. That's like positive. You might have already had it. You might that's have true. already no, had good. it. That's good. That is good. That is good. That's good news. Exactly. Jeez. That's it. What's, uh, what just ended? I wanted to ask you this question way back in the episode. Yeah. I want to um, bring it back now. And it's kind of like a, you know, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it, but oh, shit. how do you, <laughs> how did you decide, like, when, you, when you're projecting for your business and you decided you did have to lay some people off, you had to lay off yeah. three people. Three people, yeah. Which is out of like, the company is 24. So that's a, a, an eighth, an eighth, that's a percentage. How did you decide that you could keep the rest of your team? How did you decide how to make that decision? How do you, when you look forward to the future and you think about what 
you guys can do and what, yeah. what help you're getting from the government and what, because you're thinking obviously about this a lot. Uh, it's not just sort of a wing decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the choice there came down to coming up with a new, like the step one was, okay, this is the new reality. There was like two or three reports that I was just going to use as like my, this is what's going to happen Bible. Yeah. One of them was the McKinsey economic report, which actually turned out to be very, very realistic. I just want to like highlight a strategy of yours that I you've talked about before in other contexts that I love, which is yeah. look at a lot of things and then choose one thing to be your Bible yeah. so that you're not constantly triangulating between different information exactly. sources. Okay. So yeah, I proceed. chose the McKinsey report, uh, which was basically updated every week based on the current situation of, in the economy. And... I kind of had made that decision already at the start of March and then lockdown started happening, clients started canceling or postponing. And rather than thinking, okay, who can we lay off? It was more like, what's our strategy going forward for the next year so that we can survive and thrive in this environment? And one of the things that became super clear was that it didn't make sense to grow the consulting team in 2020 because the consulting team was going to be the hardest hit. And there was going to be no in-person trainings happening. And I also decided to consolidate the content team. And there were, you know, there was the content team was sort of split between two parts of the business. But long story short, I came up with the new strategy first. So like here is the Agents Mark 2020 revised strategy. And then based on that strategy, it was just clear the roles that would be needed and which would not be needed in the future version of AJ and Smart. And for the roles that were not needed, we that's where the layoffs happened. So it wasn't really based on how do we quickly save cash, although that obviously is part of it, because actually we could have saved cash by keeping them on furlough because Germany, the German government pays for it. So actually we wouldn't have really lost any money. But for me... It just didn't make any sense to keep people who I now knew were not going to be usable in 2020. Like they wouldn't have had anything to do pretty much for the whole year. Yeah, rather than just like dragging them along, which would kind of have been easier for all of us because we wouldn't have had to have the conversation. Yeah. We decided to just give them a really, really good exit package so that they can sort of have some downtime and think about what they want to do next. And also, yeah, that was the decision. The decision was step one was what's our new strategy? Step two was, who's in that new strategy? And I restructured the company quite a lot. And that restructuring will continue all the way up until June 6th. Not, I don't mean people will be laid off. I mean that the teams are actually changing internally at the company. Who's on which team is changing? And the, or it's the first week of June is kind of the start of where all the teams are in their new positions as well, which is actually quite exciting. And I actually think the company is just in a much better position than it was even three. Like, you know, at the start of the year, things were too good. Like, we were able to be sloppy because the economy was so good, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. We were spending too much. We were too generous. We were we were just being sloppy. It was just, you could do whatever you want when the environment is that good. Oh, I miss those times. I miss those times. Those were good times. <laughs> get my slop on (laughs) but yeah now we have to be serious now we have to cut expenses we are losing money currently you know like the 250k that would usually come in from the consulting team is now zero (laughs) zero k actually but the cool thing is or the lucky thing is i have such a good leadership team and we've just made sure that we had enough cash to survive pretty much anything and we're going to be aj and smart will be around for quite a while i think 
How did the conversations go with the folks who you had to lay off? Basically saying, you know, obviously, you know that the coronavirus, I mean, they were absolutely 100% expecting it because actually everyone was expecting to be laid off because we were very open about the numbers to everyone every week. Yeah, We were just like, there's been no bookings. We're losing cash. We're cutting expenses here and here and here. There probably won't be enough. On this date, if we're still losing money, we're going to have to reach, we're going to have to change our direction. We're going to have to change maybe even the company size. Uh, we're going to try to avoid that, but we mightn't be able to. So the first step was putting most of those people on furlough. Then as the economy continued to slide down, we, we spoke to those three. We made the decision and their managers spoke to them first and told them about our decisions. They're all really cool, nice people who I'm still you know, going to go for drinks with and keep in touch with. But yeah, it was just like, look, this is there's just no work here anymore. And we don't see this yeah. recovering in 2020. But we're also not going to grow like we're not going to rehire for those roles anymore. Yeah. We're just going to go in a different direction now that we see how vulnerable we are to a pandemic situation like this. The conversation was actually quite okay because, like I said, Germany really takes care of people. We had enough cash to give them a much better. For example, one of the people we decided to keep paying them until like July or, or end of July, just because we were like, oh shit, like they might have a harder time finding something than the other two. Things like that. We we just want to make sure that we feel good about it as well in the end and that it feels fair. But I also understand, by the way, I also understand if there's other companies listening who had to lay off staff who couldn't do that. I also understand that it's not every company that has the cash flow we have and we were able to do it. But the conversations were actually fine. I've had much worse uh, conversations. Like, it's much worse when you're letting someone go because you think they're not doing a good job. But if it's, well, the entire world is uh, collapsing, therefore our company won't survive, so we have to close this bit of it. It was pretty straightforward, I would say. If I can look at it, like, unemotionally to try to do that. <laughs> it will be very interesting to see how the German economy or the economy of countries who have a lot of programs in place or systems in place to help people who who lose work or to help companies who to do to help people do what what you're doing and it sounds like hopefully the situation that those folks will be in is not it's not like what it would be in the United States no and it's going to be interesting to see what those economies if, if there's a way to compare what happens with those economies afterwards yeah. with what happens here yeah. Where here like I mean, there's nothing for you <laughs> like if you yeah. there's unemployment benefit but like there's much much less and it means most people probably aren't making decisions as thoughtfully and strategically as you are. But if people are making thoughtful, strategic decisions, they're certainly like you're certainly supported in being able to do that by the fact that you know you you have reasonable expectation that you're not putting those people in yeah. a horrible position. Yeah, and by knowing that, that can give you the confidence to make that decision early and to. Make sure you don't have to wait till the last second when then suddenly it's like... when Yeah, exactly. When we're actually out of money. Yeah. yeah when we're yeah. out of money and we have to leave like seven people to go at the same time. I'm curious. Germany has gone through this really well. The economy like is being... The businesses are being really well supported. You hear like nobody complaining here about the business situation or about the work situation. Like you, you very, very few people here are complaining about that. There's some small protests like we want to go back to work. But all the CEOs that I know in Berlin are like, holy shit, like they really got our back. Yeah. But yeah, I also don't know what it means when the country takes on that much debt. And what does that mean for the euro? What does that mean for the future? 
that makes me a little bit worried. And on one hand, I'm like, wow, thank you, German government for, you know, offering us this thing called Kurzarbeit, which means we're able to keep like five, six, seven or eight staff on a reduced rate for us, but they still get paid more. But I also don't know what that means for the future of like the economy. I don't know if it's sustainable. Like my company could literally go on pause right now for a year and the government would pay for every single one of our employees and give them up to 80% of their salary. I could just sit back and smoke a joint for the entire year. <laughs> I don't really smoke weed, but you know, that's, that's what I could a requirement do. with that yeah. program. But I mean, like that's maybe not so good. I yeah. That might be There's like no rules. I can do, yeah. we can do whatever we want. There's like very few rules. Right. And that's part of the question, I guess, too, is yeah. like, <laughs> if those things are too generous, does yeah. it create counter incentives? Yeah. Uh, Cause there's a lot of restaurants here in Berlin that definitely need to close down. Like they're so bad. <laughs> They, they were bad like, before. Yeah. They, so, they so don't deserve to be open, but now they at least will have enough government incentives for a full year. No, but I mean, I'm definitely thankful that the government... Look, we pay it. Like, it's not like we're not paying it. I'm paying insane tax. Like, yeah. we pay insane tax in Germany to make all of this work. So you still, you just get less money in the end, but it feels good. I like it. Well, maybe we should end it there. Yeah. It feels good. I like it. That could be the title. <laughs> it feels good i like it piss fetish all right everybody thanks right. for downloading one million times thanks for downloading one million times a special present for you a song about the quarantine by flynn knapp age nine coming up after we sing it out are you going to send that file to jace <laughs> i hope okay, i remember good. to <laughs> okay <laughs> all right jace one two three four <laughs> Jake and Jonathan. Jake and Jonathan. Oh, Quarantine, the time like a dream. Everything you do and everything seems six feet away. Like when I read a book today, I felt six feet away. Quarantine, the time that we dream. But for doctors and nurses, it's not a party. Quarantine, six feet away seems like a whole lot and lot. But it is only six feet, not 60. So that's why we're super lucky to be.